Hi, thank you for joining me. This is the Herbert Kane podcast and I'm so glad that you are here. I'm Simon Osimo, a Brit living in America and a former UK police detective. Now, what is this podcast all about? Well, I've learned a thing or two about the power of a positive mindset, having been born into a mixed race, single parent family with an absent father. I've seen many transformations in people's lives from my time in the British police and I've had many transformations in my own life and I want to share these life lessons with you. So each week on the podcast, I interview people like me who have found their life's purpose, overcome adversity, or created a positive mindset to help you kickstart your life and journey. But before we get into the conversation today, I want to invite you to join my Facebook community for some after episode discussion so that we can all grow in community together. And on today's episode, joining me is Jeff Lopes. Now he is a proud husband, a father of two, a 25-year veteran entrepreneur, founded numerous companies from inception to eight-figure incorporation. He is the host of a top-rated entrepreneurial podcast, Jeff Knows Inc., and that is personally on my download list each week. And he's coached countless entrepreneurs in balancing the obstacles of fatherhood and entrepreneurship. And he's a best-selling author of Entrepreneur Dads. Again, another fantastic book that I've read. Add that to your Amazon cart. And in this conversation, we're going to discuss his secret source that makes him successful in business and why he always puts family first. Okay, without further ado, will you join me as I sit down this week with Jeff Lopes? Well, Jeff Lopes, welcome to the Herbert Kane podcast. Thank you for having me, brother. This is uh, this is going to be a fun conversation for the audience that's listening. We've been we probably recorded almost a whole podcast before we even started today. It's been uh, we we have a, a a nice mirrored connection here, so it's going to be a fun conversation today, brother. Yeah, and you're a really cool dude, um, Jeff. And, and here's the weird thing about it: so a couple of months ago, I was looking on Instagram, looking at your page on Instagram, and I was like. Wouldn't it be amazing to have this guy on my podcast? Really interesting. I don't even know where it was. And I just, I was looking for all your pictures and I thought, well, will he, will he even talk to me? He's a host of like a, a massive podcast. Will he, will he talk to me? And I went to my Instagram messages and you had actually sent me a message. And I was like, wow, this was just like, it, I was starstruck, Jeff. I really, really was. So it was like, we were destined to have this conversation today. So I'm really excited to, to talk to you. But, but maybe start off, tell my listeners a little bit about who you are. I mean, you're an entrepreneur, a successful podcast host, you're a father, you work in real estate, but so many things that you've done. Maybe just give us the elevator story as to, as to who Jeff Lopes is. Yeah. Um, I mean, first and foremost, it's, uh, I, I've been married for 18 years to an incredible, very independent, very strong woman, which I, I, I love and appreciate very much. I have two incredible children, um, super active kids. I mean, fitness is their world, a 13 year old son, where he has an incredible story and journey that we've all been to together as a family. And then my, my 15 year old daughter, which is a fitness star. And I've been an entrepreneur for, God, going on to 26 years. 26 years, I've never really besides my little part-time jobs at 16, 17, I've never really worked for nobody. I pretty much started as an entrepreneur and, 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 and through the ups and downs, and don't get me wrong, there's been downs, tons of losses, tons of wins, but the wins always seem to overstack the losses, which has been an incredible journey. And in 2006, I've always been the type where I would build, exit, build and exit and find a way to 
but I would get bored of companies. I would try to sell them and try to make a little profit, move on to the next venture. 2006, I started a company where I had the mindset where I was just going to build it, sell it in a few years called Kamoraware, where we manufacture, design boxing, martial art equipment. Fast forward 15 and a half years, I still got the company and that company's allowed me to build other companies like Two Blue Homes, where we have nine vacation commercial rentals. And in 2020, my life kind of churned around a bit. I was coaching for the last three years, never charged a penny. I had 64 entrepreneurs I've taken under my wing and just trying to give back and help on young entrepreneurs. And I, I thought it was an opportunity to really, really tone in on my coaching. So I really started coaching and I really niched and I tried to really work with entrepreneurial dads. I took pen to paper, wrote a book called Entrepreneurial Dad, which became a number one seller, 11 categories. And then I really honed in and really focused on a podcast and and I allowed my 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 joy of talking to individuals like yourself and really come to life on 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 a podcast and and that's where I am right now. Like I'm a podcast host, an author. I'm actually about to release. And we'll talk about that later. A six book children's book series. Um, the first one will be released in the next couple of weeks, and it's very close to my heart. So we can talk about that. And and just in general, just a love for life, man. I, I wake up every day, and 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 everybody goes through struggles. And the last eight, 10 weeks of my life have been a struggle since my father passed away. But we always go through up and downs. And it's the roller coaster of life, right? But you just surround yourself around the right people. You stay positive, and 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 good things happen to good people, right? Yeah, and Jeff, it's funny. I've got your book here for those watching the video. Uh, we'll see it, Entrepreneur Dad. And and when I read it, I was like, I couldn't tell this guy's from Canada. There wasn't enough isms in there to know know where you're from. You'd obviously had a US <laughs> editor in there, maybe. I don't know. You're, you're, you're trying to you're, you're trying to hide it, but I mean, it is an exceptional book. And I would say, uh, I think I even posted on my social media. You know, that day when I was stalking your life on Instagram, saw it purchased it and read it within like a day, I think it was. It's a very, I will say for men, because men don't like reading too many books, it's a very easy read. <laughs> but there's some incredible yeah. stuff in there, because I would say you're an entrepreneur. I would say maybe I'm a solopreneur, whereas most of the companies and the projects I've had have generally been me, then I get freelancers and stuff to come in. But there were some great words of wisdom in there, because one of the things that I struggle with, and I believe I know where it comes from, Jeff, is that balance between life um, work and you know maintaining that family. You you share a lot of wisdom in the book in there about as a father, as a husband, and as a business owner, how to try and maintain that balance. I mean, what, where did your wisdom come from uh, surrounding that subject? Well, I, I would say a lot of that came from my father. I mean, I was I I had an incredible childhood. I mean, my parents didn't have a lot. My dad was a blue collar factory worker. He was always there. He was at every ball game. He was. He was there on weekends. He understood, and it took me years later into my adult age to actually sit back and really, really, really take a glance of my dad and be like, he understood this. Like he understood that wealth was measured by freedom. Wealth was measured by time spent with your loved ones, and he knew that. And and it took me a few, it took me quite a few years to understand that. And yeah, I mean, my my dad really, really instilled a lot of strong characteristics in me and and being very independent like i'm i'm i've always been the type where i could cook i could clean i knew i always make my own bed like i've always been the type where i don't rely on people and that was my dad my dad was a hard european that would come home and clean and clean the house and cook dinner for us and which is very rare for those of your harder european especially immigrants where they would work they would work they come home sit on the couch like so he was the opposite and and he taught me a, a work ethic he taught me to value family time he taught me to really understand that Time is a currency, man. You don't have time. Time goes by. And it's like if you live with and if you don't live with regrets and you go through your life living with regrets, I mean, it, it's all gonna catch up to you. 
So you have to understand not to live with regrets and do the stuff and cherish still your loved ones and and spend the time as much time as you can with them. And and I've instilled that into my life, right? I call it the non-negotiables. There are certain things in my life that are locked into my calendar every single month, Simon. And I know one of this is, is we're not even doing it today, but it's called, I call it the three to seven. At three to seven, I try to spend at home every single day with my family. I try to never miss dinner at home with my family. And and having certain things that are non-negotiable in your life, and then you build your schedule around that and be very precise and very consistent with your schedule and understanding and studying your schedule is very, very important to get that done, right? Yeah, and I think you, you said something which is um, really interesting, and I believe it to be very true, is having that role model. You know, if we, we stay on the sort of the, the fatherhood side for a while and sort of um, pick on us men for a while. I think it is really important for us to have a male role model that we look up to and aspire to. And I think some people don't necessarily have that in my life, and I particularly didn't. So I think there's some learned behaviors in there as well. It sounds like, you know, you had a very blessed family, you know, maybe not in financial, but um, in the love and affection, the time that your dad gave you. And truly, that is what our kids um, want. But that is, that's the challenge. That's the friction, isn't it, between, um, 100%. between, between the drive and just talking from my experience for a while is, you know, I've been trying to work hard to give my sons the things that I never had, but then that working hard removes me from that family setting. And then I get my sons coming to me saying, dad, you said five minutes, like two hours ago. And if we can, oh, wow, that's a dagger to the heart reminding it. So, I mean, what's your advice for young entrepreneurs that might've not had that guidance then or not had that stability that you? I mean, simple things. I mean, to write a living eulogy. Sit down, grab a pen and paper, and write down a living eulogy. If something were to happen to you today, how would you, how would your loved ones, your kids, your family describe you? Write down how you want to be remembered, how you want your family, your friends to talk about you. Now, study that. Are you living like that? Most of us won't, will not be living like that. What changes do you have to make to be living like that? That's the first step. The second step is really understanding what is important in life. As an entrepreneur, you know this more than anything, Simon, money comes and goes. If you want to make money and you're honed and focused, you could make money. And don't get me wrong, you need money. You need money to put your kids through college. You need money to pay, put your kids through. You got a very active son to play soccer. Put through these, it's expensive. Time management. Understanding that the time with them is very, very important. And if you still need the extra time to make money, figure out sacrifice in your life. Wake up earlier. Go to bed a little later. Work a little later on a Sunday night. Sacrifice yourself. So find what areas are non-negotiable, find what has to be done in your nor normal daily job or daily career or business, and then figure out what sacrifice you have to do to get those, those both those goals. Because you could have balance. A lot of entrepreneurs, you, you always hear from Gary Vee and all these guys like, there's, not, there's no things like balance, that's bullshit. There is balance. When you're home with your family, that's a balance. That's your purpose. When you're at work, that's your purpose. Understanding how to separate them, how to give them equal amount of love and time could happen. And it might be one day you're a little bit longer at work. The next day you'll take a little time. For example, this week, we're on Thursday. Tuesday, I worked a ton of hours. Yesterday, it was early afternoon. I got a lot done. I looked at my son. My daughter went, my daughter's 15. She wanted to go to the mall with her friends. I dropped her off. I looked at my son. I go, we haven't been in the movies in a year and a half. Let's go. Grab your jacket. Grab your stuff. Let's go. We went to what? Middle day, two in the afternoon. Went to watch Fast and Furious 9. Being able to do that. That's the dream of being an entrepreneur. But if you're not doing those things, what's the purpose of being an entrepreneur? What's the purpose if you're not living to the fullest like that, right? Yeah, and one of the, the traps that people get into, and I've definitely done this, is that you know you start doing the work yourself, don't you? Start doing things, and then you know you're doing. Um, someone once said to me, actually, very very recently, he said, Simon, why are you doing that? It's like, well, I like doing it. It's like, but that's a twenty dollar an hour task. You're a 
you know, a few hundred dollar an hour consultant, you know, you should be offshoring that. It is, you know, you get you get trapped in some of these things to try and because everything has to be right. I've got to be successful. But but why do you think it is that men struggle with? Oh, go on. Yeah, you got a question. Come on, put me up on something. You got, you got something when you said that. I think that's the biggest issue, and I think that's the biggest problem with entrepreneurs is they have that mind of perfection. They don't understand when most tasks, most jobs of a business just have to get done. They don't have to be perfect. They have to get done. Things are on schedule. Things have to get done. So once you can separate yourself from that, once you can say, hey, my time, my purpose is more valuable than this task, that is the moment when you're able to fire yourself from the position. The faster you could fire yourself from positions, the bigger the company will grow, the more time you have with your family, the more time you have for yourself to fill your cup as well. So understanding which, look at your, look at your business, look at your, your company and see what areas could I fire myself from. And like you said, whether you have employees, whether you, you pass it over offshores, whether you're going to a place like Fiverr and hiring people overseas, whatever it is, because that time is very valuable. And once you understand the value of spending time with your family, divorce, something like that, it all starts making sense, right? Yeah, and it's true. I mean, in fact, the slap on the wrist is well and truly taken. I've been working on a list to, to, to hand to a virtual assistant. It's one of those, who I've got to write down that list, but, but I know I'm where, where you are. It is, it is very true. And I guess the question I was going to ask you is, well, why do you think that it is that men struggle then? I mean, we, we want this freedom. We might have an idea or a business concept we want to develop. Well, why is it that we get trapped into that it has to be us and we can't find that balance and perhaps it pushes friends away it pushes family away and we're not being the fathers that we're sort of created created to be. What 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 is it? What what's why do we struggle with it so much? I think it's I think it's is that is that pressure of being the provider. I think society puts that pressure of the husband being the provider. That's like almost old school, but that was a big mindset of you're the husband, you're the provider. And and having that mindset of being the provider, why is succeed, why is show your children you succeed? I think is that you put they put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And, and once you truly understand that, that pressure is put on ourselves by ourselves, right? When you come home with a gift to your child, Simon, your, kids, your son's not looking at it like, daddy got me this toy. It's daddy recognizes something I did and is, a, and is rewarding me with this toy. They're happy that you recognize that. If you were to say, hey, let's go, let's, let's, let me take you off for the day. Let's go play catch. Let's go play in the park. That hour with them is a lot more valuable. You've built these, you're building memories. You're build, filling that memory bank that one day you're not here. Those are the memories you're going to think of. Now that my dad's, my dad's been gone for 10 weeks and I was the 44-year-old. And we talked about this. I was the 44-year-old that would talk to my dad two to three times a day. I was the 44-year-old that would call my dad and say goodnight to him every night, which is very rare. And now that he's gone, I sit back and I'm like, I remember I did this with him. I remember going here with him. I remember these car shows we go together. I don't remember any shit he bought for me or any presents he gave me. I don't give a shit about that. And you're hoping you, as a father, could build those memories that one day your son, I'm looking at my kids, I'm like, I just wish that the love I had for my dad and, and how much I miss him, I just wish my kids have that for me one day. And that's how you should be living your life, building these memories and, and being there for them and being that, that educator, being that example for them. And don't get me wrong, you have to work, but find ways to sacrifice and find ways to keep that balance going to be successful on both sides. And there is ways of doing that. Yeah, that's very true. And I guess one thing I want to um, get from you right now is that you are, um, uh, maybe I'm going to play to ego a little bit here, Jeff, but it's true. You are a very successful entrepreneur. And it could be that what someone's looking for that one, I just want that one, give me that one golden ticket. Give me that one idea, which is going to take me away from the corporate world 
or it's going to make me stable or it's going to make me you know get that fright whatever it is but well, you've done it multiple times i mean i know in a bit of your intro you, you spoke about your 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 company but you know you have you you've started you've scaled and you sold numerous companies and i know you now do do real estate so i mean i don't want to give away your secret sauce jeff because that's that's not fair but what but there is no secret sauce what is it that makes you do that when others perhaps struggle how, how can jeff lobes do it and maybe others can't what's what's the secret well one is having that mindset is that that winning mindset where when i go into a venture i know i'm going to be number one is that is that 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 michael jordan that kobe that mindset where i already see myself being number one when i came in when i started kimura where in 2006 there were six massive companies um, I would say it's a small industry, but big companies in that industry, the, the sporting good, martial arts, and boxing equipment. And I looked at my, my, my hired staff, I brought on staff, and my staff's been with me for, God, some of them, one of them, Dan's been here for 11 years. And I remember looking at these guys, I'm like, when we started the company, I remember looking, I'm like, oh, within five years, max 10, they're all gone. And I had that mindset where I was going to be number one. I was going to dominate these guys. They're all going to be out of business. And having that mindset and not being able not being scared. I think that's the right way. Not being fearful or scared to take risk. Not being fearful or scared to pivot. Not being fearful or scared to take chance when other people are holding back. 2020, pandemic hit. Most people sat back and be like, okay, just let's survive. I was like, I, I put ad fuel, man. I'm so prepared now. I've made, we officially, our Canada's been so behind. We're officially been open now for a couple of weeks or week, week and a half, officially out of lockdown in Toronto, Canada. We've got more in sales in a week than most people have gotten in six months because I was prepared. I prepared for that moment. I wasn't scared. I invested. Our stock is full. I did the marketing. I invested in the company when other people were not investing. So now that I was preparing for this moment, when it opened, I took full control again. And having that mindset of not being scared, not being fearful to take an opportunity, finding something you're passionate about, that's a huge thing too. We could talk about this all day. If you're starting a business, if you do not wake up every single day and have this smile on your face ear to ear, then why are you doing it? Because that passion, that drive, that initial go, go, go to start the business, you'll lose that very quickly within month two, month three, month four, because shit's always going to hit the fan. And if you don't have the passion to wake up every day and still keep pushing forward because you love what you're doing and you enjoy what you're doing and you feel like you're serving and helping others, if you don't have that, that'll die out. So you have to have that. You've got to be in an industry that you love. I've been I've been taking martial arts and boxing since I was a kid. I always had a passion for it. So it's easy for me to wake up. You got this company. Yeah. I was like, do you even do martial arts? I guess that was going to be, yeah. be one of my yeah. questions. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, yeah. And then and then when the UFC took off, like I, in 2006, the UFC was just about to start. And I was like, there's, there's an opportunity here. And, and, I, and, I, and I positioned the company properly at the beginning to give for the long haul. When I started the company, I'll give you an example too, is when I started Kamora, where a lot of companies at that time were, were starting in the industry. And at one time it was flooded, but they were all coming out with these aggressive names like tap out and skulls. And, and I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm looking at the long haul game. I'm going to call a company called Kimura where Kimura is an actual move in martial arts, but I saw Kimura where the word Kimura, it means um, big tree and small town. So I said, let me pick a name that I could use to, if the company has to pivot towards another sport or something, it could always be relevant and not aggressive. And I kept that non-aggressive clean look when everybody was very aggressive and being very powerful. And I said, okay, how am I going to get in front of as many eyes as I possibly could with the company? I'm giving a little history on it. And I said, okay, I'm going to start off as an apparel company so I could really sponsor as many UFC fighters as I possibly can. They'll all be walking my workout, walkout shirts. 
At one time, we had 26 UFC fighters all with our Waco shirts, wearing our stuff. All those little toys at Walmart, these figurines were all with my brand on it. We were everywhere. But I realized very quickly, these big heavy hitters with a lot more money were coming in trying to take that space. As soon as I saw that, I pivoted to equipment. And I said, listen, I'm going to really suck that, that, that little year and a half of being on TV and now try to do equipment. And from the equipment, I pivoted a company so many times. We are now, we do full licensing for franchises. We have mass franchises. I love Cape Austin. We're exclusive to franchise dealers of Canada um, in rounds. And then we do about 75 customized orders a month for gyms, like big bulk orders. We fully out furnish a gym. We have an online sales. We have our wholesale. We deal with about 1,800 gyms. So it's understanding where opportunities there. Just keep putting gas to it. Just keep growing, growing, growing. And I think a lot of people are scared, like I said, to take chances and then be able to pivot at the right time, right? Yeah, and I think it's interesting because um, hearing you talk about there is something, you know, I mean, but I always say that an entrepreneur is something that someone calls you. It's not necessarily something that you call, call yourself, but I mean, you are a true entrepreneur. And, and normally that is around, you know, risk taking, isn't it? Risk management um, and seeing opportunities. But there's a key word that you mentioned there, which is not often... Um, widely spoken about when you have the term entrepreneur, which is pivots, life pivots. And I know you've had you've had a few. I mean, what what advice would you give? How how do you see these opportunities? Again, is that just your mindset and your understanding and knowledge of business, or how do you know what to pivot? I study the market. I study the market. I try to. We as a company, we sit down and every three months we try to forecast six months in advance. We look at where trends are going. It could be trends in other industries, colors, schemes. Um, we figure out where everybody's pivoting, to, where that we, we imagine the pivot will turn to, and we try to be the leaders in the pivot. We try to then say, okay, we forecast this is what's going to happen. Now, let's really go hard into it and kind of push everybody that direction, kind of be the leader in that direction. And we've done that so many different times. And it's, there's a couple of times we failed. And I'll give you an example of one. Um, I, when I started, when I started um, Kamora's Equipment Band, we were a premium brand, full out leather line. And, but I realized very quickly that a lot of people who would join a gym for the first time, they were like, we're not going to spend $120 on a pair of gloves. We're going to go to your local Walmart and buy a $30 pair of gloves. If I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm going to be doing this for a month or two months, right? So I was like, okay, I need to um, come up with a beginner line, an intro line. But I was like, you know what, Kamora is known as a prestige line. We have all these leather goods, really high end. I don't want the damage, the, the, the value or the quality of the company. So I started another company called Stinger. And this was an entry level company. And I started pushing and promoting. We're selling it and selling and selling. Then I was realizing I'm spending marketing on two companies. I'm advertising for two companies. I'm pushing two brands, but it's all coming from the same warehouse. It's all coming from the same factory. Why am I doing this? And all of a sudden I said, Stinger? All of them transferred under the Kamora brand and now became Aspire line, which is a Kamora line of Kamora, which Aspire to be. And all of a sudden, I started selling the exact same amount, but now I cut all of these costs. So in that period, I probably lost about a year and a half of marketing, advertising, branding, building. I could have had, I could have been a year, year and a half ahead with with the, with Aspire line. But there's learning curves. But I I learned from it and I grew from it. And you didn't, and believe me, there's been tons of other times that's happened. But understanding and not being fearful to pivot and make change because your company, the minute it becomes stale, that is why these other six companies were all out of business here. They all became stale. They all became comfortable. The minute you become comfortable, there's somebody going to surpass you and get jump right over that hurdle, right over you in two seconds. 
Yeah, and listening to you, I mean, it is true that, I mean, you are a true entrepreneur. You just, you, I hear your passion. I can see it because I can see you on camera here. You have a lot of knowledge. <laughs> if there's someone listening to this podcast, it could be, you know, either a young guy who's 19, 20 said, I've got an idea. I want to be an entrepreneur. You know, like Jeff, you said you've very rare, you've not really worked for anyone else in your life. It's always been you. How does someone really know if it's inside of them? I mean, most sort of entrepreneurs, they don't have to be an extrovert, but I can just see your passion, love and knowledge. How, how does someone know? Walk us through maybe your journey. When did you when did you think, I'm never going to really work for someone else. I'm always going to do my thing, my way, um, gain the knowledge, gain the products and sort of enter the market. When, when, did, when did you realize all this, that you were perhaps different from those that sit in the cube for nine to five, 40 hours a week? You know what's crazy is, is I've actually been studying this a lot lately that you're bringing this up. I, I love this topic because I think a lot of our upbringing is what dictates the future. And we don't even realize it. And these could be moments that have passed in the past that we don't realize. And they essentially are the root of our future kind of thing, right? And I look at it and, and I'll give you a, a few little examples. My dad and my mom worked their ass off just to get by to be able to provide to us. Was that subconsciously in my mind watching my dad work in a factory and be like, I ain't going to do this my whole life? Was that, was that something that was instilling me from a young age? Nothing with what my dad did was wrong. He had a great job, good pay, worked at a factory. But that subconsciously could have really been engraved for me from a very young age. And then there's moments where I was, it's a crazy little story, and there's so many of them. And I was 16 years old. I was a stock boy. I've told this story a few times. I was a stock boy at a, at a department store. And it was nine o'clock at night on a Friday night and the store closed and everybody was rushing to get out of there. It was all part-timers, kids, 16, 17 year olds. And the store manager, which, which was a complete a-ho, um, looked at me, he's like, Jeff, I need you to take two more skids out. So run to the back and pull these skids out and put them in the middle aisle because the night crew was going to put the stuff on the shelves. I'm like, oh, and I was ready, but breath to leave. I was just Friday night, I was 16, 17. My friends are waiting outside. So I run to the back, get the pump truck, pump it up, start flying it out. Is a skid of bleach, right. more bleaches, yep. right? Flying down the aisle. I go a little too quick. The whole skid flips oh, over, wow. bleach all over. The women's department oh, all wow. over the floors, everywhere. And the manager comes in, this big bang, and all the staff and people were checked leaving and with their jacket. Everybody was looking at me, <laughs> and I'm stuck in the middle. Sixteen year old is stuck in the middle. And I remember he looked at me and he goes, Jeff. He goes, This is why you'll never. I remember his name. His name is Texera. And he looked at me. He goes. This is why you'll never accomplish nothing your whole life. You're going to be a loser your whole life. In front of everybody, he's ripping down on me. And I remember, and I looked at him and I just said, good. And I just walked out. I quit on the spot and I walked out. He's like, you can't quit. And I said, I just quit. And I walked out. And I remember like those little moments are, they lock in the back of your head. They lock in the back of your head. And, and they, 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 they give you that little fire. And it's almost like you might make these stories up to be bigger than they are because that's what pushes you and drives you. And, and I think a lot of us, have that in you. And I, and I think sometimes it just needs to be pushed out of you, right? If you have that urge, if you have that feeling where it's like, you're waking up every day and you're just like, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I want to have that freedom. I want to be able to make my own hours. I want to take the opportunity, take the chance. It might not work out for you. And there's nothing wrong with people that work nine to five. I have an incredible staff that'll be with me forever because I treat them right. But it's, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you have that urge and, and you find something that you truly have a passion for and you and you're just like, I, I want to wake up every day and do this, then, then go for it, man. I mean, don't live with regrets. You have one life, just go in and go in and try it, man. And, and the easiest way to do that is, I always tell people is, you never have to reinvent the wheel, Simon. 
a lot of people try to rent, reinvent the wheel. When I start a business or I look at another business that I want to venture into, what I do is I find the top 5, 10, 15 companies in that industry. I study everything they do. I study it to the way they write a check, to the way they, they talk to their customers, the way they answer the phone. Study everything they do. You're not going to copy them totally, but find the things out of that business that you really like, that you really think that could propel your business and take them and use them in your business. And then next, surround yourself around people that are either going to mentor you. They're going to learn for you're going to learn from. They're going to help you along the way. Surround yourself around people that are either where you want to be on the same path of you or even under you, but on the same path. So surround yourself around the right people. Don't be scared to ask for help. Find something you have a total, total passion for and don't try to reinvent the wheel. Learn, study other companies that are in that industry that already succeeded and, and study what they've done. That's going to speed up your process so much more. That's going to help you eliminate a lot of mistakes. Wow, and that's powerful stuff and some le- learning there. If I wasn't interviewing you, I'd just have my head down, right? And all know, I have the ability to go back and listen and get into a free coaching session there. So it's great, like I said, just hearing your passion and enthusiasm and the, the, the way you articulate stuff. There's a lot of ingrained at years of knowledge in there that you just don't get overnight. But let's talk about... Um, you, Jeff, then what about how you tackle adversity? I like to try and I believe that we get our greatest learning, um, maybe not in times of crisis, but when we face adversity, I think it was Einstein that sort of said, you know, adversity introduces a man to himself, something on those lines. I'm terrible with quotes, but I know it's something like that. Um, so, so what about you? When, when have you grown through times of adversity? Man, there's been so many times of adversity. And I'll give you a quick little story. And I think we've touched about this one we talked in person the other day. Is this your son? Yeah. Yeah. Good Are you okay with me talking that about that? Listeners. Yeah, share that one. Yeah. You did something yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is, it was, it was a huge situation of adversity in our lives, right? I mean, I was your typical entrepreneur 13 plus years ago. I was working crazy hours. I was never this family orientated. My daughter was a year and a half old. My wife was, we were married for a few years, but I was just work, 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 build, 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 build. That was always I was focused on. And my wife was 31 weeks pregnant at that time. And it was a Friday afternoon and um, we got, uh, I got a call. My wife got rushed. We had to rush my wife to the hospital. And in the same night, we almost lost my wife and my son. My son, my wife had just got out of surgery. They pulled me in a room. They said, your son's got about five, 10 minutes left of life. And they said, do you have a name for him? And I, did, I was even shocked because I didn't even, we didn't even have a name for him yet. And I just wrote Tiago, which means God's warrior on, on, a, on, on the birth certificate. And that's when his journey started. It spent four months of his life and, and it, it, it taught me to really reanalyze what purpose is. Those four months spending 12 hours a day at the hospital made me realize that before I couldn't miss 10 minutes of work. Now I had no choice but to miss 12 hours a day. I, I, it, was, it was engraved in me that, I, that me being there was the only thing that was important at that moment. And we were there from seven in the morning till seven at night every single day, Monday to fraud, Monday to Sunday. And my son had six, I would say almost, you could say seven, seven severely damaged organs, brain severely damaged, and so many stories in between. A small child in sick kids hospital history to be on dialysis, two and a half pounds. And at four months old, we convinced the doctors to discharge him, and they did not want to discharge him. He was only four and a half pounds. Uh, he was on feeding tubes, never swallowed a day in his life at four months old. They sent us home with a one ounce bottle to feed him. We had to teach him how to swallow. And I remember looking at my wife. And when he was discharged, he gave us discharge papers and they labeled him that day and they labeled him with several palsy and he said he'd be confined most likely to a wheelchair his whole life. And I remember coming home that day and I looked at my wife and I go like, 
I don't want to be that six-year-old waking up one day and looking at my son and being like, I didn't do everything I possibly can to give him the best opportunity as I possibly can. And that was my biggest fear. And that's when our journey started. And, and I really, for 12 years, studied parenthood, fatherhood. And I spent three, four hours a day. I reprioritized my life. I reprioritized myself as a father, as a husband, as a man. And our journey, I mean, we're one of the lucky ones um, with, with incredibly a, a ton of hard work. My son's a, a complete little beast. And um, three to four hours of therapy every day, he went from possible wheelchair to balancing to wearing braces to we were told he'd be in full braces up to his knee till when he was till at least 1920. And at 12 years old, he was out of his braces. And we set a goal that we'd, we'd five years past, five years ago, we set a goal by his, before his 13th birthday, we were going to run a marathon. And he turned April 19, 2021, he turned 13. April 18, me and him ran our first marathon together. And it's been this an incredible journey. I mean, if you see videos of my son, he's a workout fanatic. He, he's obsessed with working out. He really understands the importance of it. And he's redefined and changed the, uh, his outcome. He's beaten every odd, every doctor to sit there and look some of these, a miracle, right? And he's made me... a. Uh, a better man, a better father, a better husband. Like I, I, I have this joy. Every time I see my son, I, I smile ear to ear, man. I get goosebumps. He's my little angel, right? I always call him my little puppy when I come home. He's the, they saw my dog at the front door. He's beating my dog to the front door. And a lot of people tell me, Simon, that my son was meant to be, I was meant to be his father because my drive, my hustle. And I think it's the opposite. He was meant to be my son. I would not change any of the narrative we've been through. Because that has turned me into the man I am today. That has turned me into the father I am today. And, 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 and it, it, was, it was a moment for us, right? It was a moment that I remember me and my wife looking at each other when my son was about a year old. And I'm like, we just want to hit that fast forward button. We just want to see 10 years from ahead. We, don't, we just want to surpass this. We want to see our journey. And, and it's crazy now that we look back and it's been such an incredible journey. It's been such a powerful journey. It's been such a struggle. There's times when we sit there and like, this is not working. I mean, it took him three months every day for three hours to learn how to hop on one foot. It took him like, like almost three and four months, his right hand, just to be able to push his right hand through a plaster scene. And now you see this kid, he's shredded buff, 13-year-old that runs marathons. And it's been this incredible journey. But it's been a lot of times where if we ever took a step back or, or, or felt that this is not working, like I, I, I would wake up every day and there's moments where I'd be like, this, isn't, this, this ain't happening. And then I would just look at my son and I'm like, I have to make it happen. And I would just push harder and he would push harder and we would push each other. And, 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 it's, and it's been, it, was, it was a huge moment in our life and, and a moment of adversity that we went through as a family. But uh, man, it's, I would not change anything. I wouldn't change a moment of it. And I think that is the biggest gift is the moments that we go through, we have to take them as lessons. We have to take them as moments to build us, to grow from it. Don't everything that happens to us, I mean, there's the sun comes out the next day. You you can't really focus on tomorrow. You can't focus on the past. You got to focus on what's in front of you that moment and really, really hone on and try to make a difference that moment. And if we start living in the present and start appreciating the present moment and start trying to change the present time, things happen, man. I think people dwell on the past too much. People dwell on what's going to happen in the future too much. You can't control any of that. All you can control is today. So focus on today. Well, it's interesting, Jeff, as well. I see a lot of myself in that story that you shared. And the first time you told me that, I got goosebumps. And the second time I've heard it, I've got goosebumps as well. I've seen your son on social media, on your Instagram account. I mean, it's, it's incredible to hear perhaps what the doctors were saying he was going to achieve to what he's accomplished now. But I also took a lot away from there, surrounding very similar to me in fatherhood, that 
as a father, we're expected to love and nurture and develop our own children and teach them stuff. I mean, that's what our role is, you know, training a child up in the way they shall go and they should never depart from it. But also I've been surprised in fatherhood how much my sons have taught me. Uh, I can be, I'm yeah. not a serious guy, but I'm a very driven guy. Uh, my sons have told me or just reminded me to be a child again, you know, to laugh, to joke, to, yeah. to have fun. And yeah. that isn't something, yeah. you know, because I didn't have a father. It's not something I really imagined I was going to get from my, my sons, but I often feel they teach me more as to how to be a fun person um, than, than what I am already. So, yeah, incredible, incredible. You, you, you hear you hear that said all the time, Simon. I know, I don't know the exact number, but a child laughs, I don't know, is a couple thousand times a day and an adult laughs like a handful of times. Yeah. Sometimes we need just to learn to be curious, to d- just enjoy the outdoors. Like uh, every Sunday is family day. And every Sunday, we don't usually have nothing planned to the night before. And in the summer, it's beaches. We just pick up, look on a map, find a beach, and we just pack the car in the morning and go. And in the, in the falls, we hike. And just having, the, building those memories and, and not having a set structure. Like we told you yesterday, like I, I looked at my son, I'm like, two in the afternoon, most people are working. I'm like, grab your stuff. Let's go to the movies. It's being spontaneous, enjoying life sometimes, laying your hair down. You always hear that saying, laying your yeah, hair down. Yeah. Like, life, life is short, man. If it's just work, 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 man, time comes and goes, man. They always had, there's a stat too. Uh, they say 90% of the FaceTime you have your kids is before the age of 18. Think about yeah, that. Probably. And, 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 and it's true because once they turn 18, they become independent. They go to college. They start getting full-time jobs. They start going. And, and, and that time you spend with them really, really spreads very thin. So appreciating the time you have with them. Build as many memories as you have them because life is short, man. Shit changes in seconds. We walk out every day and we get in that car. You don't know if you're coming home. And, 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 and go with that with everything, man. Don't go to bed pissed off. If you have, I, I, tell, I, I, I tell this to guys all the time, man. And I'm going to share something with you. And I've never shared it with anybody on this podcast. It's a good, yes, yeah. Well done. This, this, is, this is to do with my dad. My dad and my uncle were very opposite. My dad never cared about money. My uncle, um, if he's listening, if you ever listen to this, he's still around, was always money-driven. Was always money-driven. And, and when my grandfather or dad passed away, um, my uncle pushed away because he was so money-driven and he was so focused on getting stuff. And, and they separated and he really hurt my dad. And, and for years, I looked at my dad and I'm like, you need to just, he's your only brother. You need to just forgive him. And my dad had in my head, he goes, I am not going to reach out to him. And if he wants to apologize, he could come see me. And, and, and for years, I told my dad, just, you know what, just pick up the phone. My dad was stubborn. And he was like, he goes, I have you guys. He goes, I have my family. He goes, if he wants to see me, he's the one that did, he, he did a whole bunch of really, 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 really not the greatest things. And, and my dad always said that. And, I, and for years, honestly, Simon, I told my dad, just, you have to learn. You don't have to forgive him. You just have to accept it and move on and understand that's who he is. And he's not because he's a bad person. That's who he is. And, he, and the other day, he's your brother. And my dad, I remember a week before my dad passed away, 10 weeks ago, I told him, like, come on, call your brother. And he didn't. And my dad passed away. And um, my, my, uncle, uh, my, my uncle was never even reached for the funeral because of COVID. It was very limited how many people could come. And a week later, I, um, my dad's been gone now for, after here, I'm going to go see my dad. Um, but he's been gone now for 70 something days. And, and I've, I've missed in 70 something days, like only like five or six. Like, see, I go to, I try to go at least five, six days a week to visit him. And I just go there and just, just because I feel like I need to still 
know that he knows somebody's coming to see him. And, and it was after a week, um, there's a letter there. I was like, who the hell wrote this letter? It's a letter attached to the stone. And I pulled it up and I read it and it was my uncle. And he, my uncle wrote a letter saying, I'm sorry, I should have did this when you're alive. And I swear it killed me inside because that's all my dad wanted. For your audience that's listening, don't be my uncle. If you have someone in your life that's, whether they did something bad, good, something, something that bothered you, you separate, like, forgive people, man. Life's too short. The minute you can learn to forgive, you're letting yourself free. And, and the minute you could let yourself free, everything, everything seems to align and work out. Just don't hold grudges. Don't, don't hate people. Life's too, pardon my life's too, life's too fucking short for that. Just surround yourself around the people you want to be with, but don't live with grudges and don't live with regret. And, 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 and that's something I swear it, it, it bothers me. It bothers me so much that my dad and my uncle didn't at least in person do that. And, and, and it's something that it's, it drives in me now. Like I, I literally have thought of every relationship that I've ever parted in a, in a, in a negative way. And I've, and I've called people and I said, listen, we're going to not to ever talk again, but I just want to let you know, this is what I feel. I've done that after my dad passed away. And I think it's very powerful. And I feel so relieved that I've done that and I'm able to still do that. So any listener out there, like make men's with people, man, make men's with people. Well, Jeff, I mean, you are a, um, the host of a very successful podcast, over a million um, downloads. You are an accomplished author. You're a business owner. You're a father. You're, you're many things. And after here, you, you're also an inspirer of people. I mean, that is an incredible story. So thank you for, for sharing that to me. I mean, what's the one thing that you would say What's the one glue that brings it all together? So re- don't say your family, remove the family. I want to sort of stay, stay focused on you. Um, so if any young Biden entrepreneur out there, what's the one thing that pulls all this together, which makes you successful? What would you say that is? And it's hustle, hard because I said bro. don't include hustle. your family in that. Hus- no, but I'm saying it's just it's, it's that, it's that, that hustle. I, you look at the top athletes in the world, Simon, the one thing that killed Kobe Bryant was the one thing that made him the greatest thing in the world, that helicopter. He would take that helicopter to the stadium before his teammates got there. He would take the helicopter and miss traffic. So he get there an hour and a half before everybody else. And he would shoot 1500 baskets every single day before his teammates got there. That drive, that hustle, you have to want it. You have to want to be the best at everything you do. I, 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 and I know I know it brings back to family, but I instill this in my children. I know, and this might, throw people off what I'm going to say, but I look at my kids and I want them to be the best. And I tell them when they enter a competition, they're playing a sport, they're doing, my daughter does competitive, high level competitive dance. I go, you enter something, you're entering that because you want to be first place. If you don't go into something wanting to be the best at everything you seemingly do, you're never going to put your all into it. So when you're starting a company, it's not to start a company to make money. I want to start a company to re to revolutionize this industry. I want to start a company because I want to be on TV. I want to start a podcast because I want to be the top number one podcast and I want to have every sponsor. I'm going to be the next Joe Rogan. You have to have that mindset of every single thing you do. I'm doing it for a purpose. And I'm a very strong believer. A lot of people say, oh, this is my purpose. You can have tons of purposes. When I'm with my family, that's my purpose. When I'm at work, that's my purpose. I'm with you right now, Simon. You're my purpose right now. You're my purpose to be able to have the best conversation between us. You can have tons of different purposes, but having that mindset where when I'm focused on something, I'm giving 110% every single time. That's the only way you're going to succeed. And, and I always have that mindset. Whenever I'm going to start a company, I'm not starting a company to start a company. 
I'm starting a company to revolutionize an industry. When I started nine years ago, bought our first property, I looked at my wife and said, we're going to buy a property every year. That was crazy. Nine years, we got nine properties. We're buying another one next year. The goal is to buy 20 properties in 20 years. And I'm going to do it. I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And everything too is I tell everybody too, there's a little thing that I do for myself. And I think people should do it is hold yourself accountable. So if I say I'm going to do something in my head, I tell everybody around me, my closest circle of friends, I'm going to do it. At first, when I used to do this 15, 20 years ago, they used to look at me and think I'm crazy. I'd be like, you're not going to do that. Now they're so used to me doing these things. When I tell them, they're like, oh, cool. When is it going to be out? Like they don't question they're, anymore because I've proven it. But I, but I put them in a, I put myself in a situation that I want to hold myself accountable. I do it to my family. I do it to my kids. I say, dad's going to do A, B, and C. When my father passed away, I looked at my dad and I said, I looked at my dad, I looked at my family and I, and I, and I looked at my wife and I'm like, I mean, he was such a good man. He was such a good dad. Like, how do I keep his legacy going? And I literally, the next day I woke up and I'm like, I, I want to write a book series on him. And I was like, what do you mean? And like, we're going through so much stuff. You're so busy with work. Like, what do you mean? And I said, I'm going to write a six series book because I want it to revolve around his grandkids. He's lovely grandkids so much. And he was always trying to teach him lessons. I wanted to be a six book series on lessons. And, and she's like, oh, this is something you're going to sell. I said, yeah, but you know what? Sick kids has been a big part of our, house, our lives. I want funds raised to go towards the hospital. And my wife said, that's a great idea. And in seven weeks, I wrote all six books. Our first book's going to be released within two weeks. And it's called, it's called Adventures of Grandpa Joe. The first one's called Strawberry Mountain, A Lesson on Gratitude. Every single book will be a lesson. And they're on my two kids and my grandfather, their characters are in the book. So, but I said, I'm going to do it. I held myself accountable. So hold yourself accountable, put yourself around people that are going to hold you accountable. So if I'm falling off track, I want to be able to have a friend or a family member that look at me and say, Jeff, look what you're doing, buddy. You say you're going to do this. Get your ass back on track. Put yourself around people that are going to be honest with you and hold you accountable. Not cheerleaders, because cheerleaders are not the greatest people sometimes. Put it around people that are going to be honest with you. Honesty is the most important. Honesty and authenticity is the most important two characteristics you need around you all the time. Well, Jeff, you have dropped so many nuggets during this uh, podcast conversation. I said, I'm going to have to go back and take my own notes uh, just to make sure I, I catch it all. And I like that last one on accountability. That really is um, a great tool to have in your corner to be successful as someone who's going to hold you accountable. And like you said, someone who's not just going to be a yes person, but someone's going to push you and no. say, you said you're going to do this. So, Jeff, uh, many ways for people to get hold of you. What is the best uh, way to direct traffic if people want to learn more about, about you? You can check it out on my website. It's uh, jeffreylopes.com. It's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-L-O-P-E-S.com. Or I'm on all the social media platforms, primarily on Instagram. It is at Jeff Lopes, J-E-F-F-L-O-P-E-S. Um, DM me, reach out to me. I mean, I, I answer all my messages myself still. And I, just, I, I love networking. I love meeting people. I love talking to people. I love just like... I'm 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 about serving and helping as many people as I can as well. So um, anybody reach out to me and need any help, I'd be more than happy to help you or help guide you in the right direction. Yeah, and it's been a great conversation with you, Jeff. Hopefully my listeners have, have got that uh, from it. There's so much nuggets of wisdom. And I know me and you are going to stay in contact. I know for sure you're not going to get rid of, you're not going to get rid of me because we're having some good laughs and <laughs> jokes um, off, offline. So hopefully if you said your book is going to come out in a couple of weeks i will release this podcast once your book is out and then i can put the link in there as well for people to take a look so i i, um, I love that buddy i, I love that book to my second amazon order but well jeff lopes thank you for joining me on the who I became podcast thank you for joining the who i became podcast to help spread this inspiring story be sure to share it with your friends hit the like button and of course subscribe to our channel so you won't miss out on any future episodes 
We'd also love to hear how this story impacted you. So leave us a comment on whatever platform you're watching us from. To learn more about this episode, our guests, or Simon, head over to simonosimo slash podcast and sign up to receive the latest information delivered straight to your inbox. Once again, thank you for joining us for the Who I Became podcast.